a neurodiverse relationship? Well, I've been in one for 30 years. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is Touching the Tism, a podcast for anyone living with a partner on the spectrum. I've got tips, techniques, and lots of funny stories that will help you navigate and understand the sometimes confounding behaviors of your neurodiverse mate. Listen in and find out what Touching the Tism is all about. Welcome back to Touching the Tism. I'm Lilo Bupert, and this is my husband, Bill Bupert. And on today's episode, I have a special guest. I'll get to that in the, in a minute. But in the meantime, if you have listened to episode five, When Spock is Your Father, you know that I was going to do this in two parts. So technically, this episode will be the second part. I talked about what it was like to raise kids with an autistic partner, and now I'd like to go more in depth with that uh, topic. Warning to you, with our equipment, we are having to do our remote interview with Zoom, so if the sound quality isn't up to its usual standard, you will know why. Bill and I are still new at podcasting and trying to figure out a lot of technical issues. Just a reminder, you can always write me at marriedtotheiceman at gmail.com, follow my blog on marriedtotheiceman.com, and feel free to listen to Bill's podcasts, Chasing Ghosts, or The Dash, where he discusses his special interest, irregular warfare, and stoicism. Stimulating topics for sure. Before I introduce our special guest, I want to be clear that I have a total of five children. All of them have successful adult relationships, all of them married or engaged, and great people, if I do say so myself. They are all gainfully employed and are doing just fine in this world. I would venture to say even better than many of their peers, at least emotionally. Now on to our special guest. I have asked my son, Connor Bupert, to come on my show to enlighten you about what his life was like growing up with a neurodiverse father. I thought this topic would be especially interested, interesting for young people concerned about the, uh, about the effects a neurodiverse parent would play on their child's development. I'm super lucky that Connor doesn't mind getting up close and personal with his thoughts on the subject, and I'd like to give all the young people in my audience that are in a neurodiverse relationship assurance that kids can do just fine with an autistic parent. Of course, parenting with a neurodiverse partner has its difficulties, as do all parents with little kids, but there are definitely some unique challenges with an autistic partner. I also want everyone to know that all my kids have a lovely relationship with Bill and everything is worked out really well. So even though parts of this podcast might be a little bit negative, in the end, everything has worked out and they all have a lovely relationship with our father. So without further ado, here is my son, Connor Bupert. Okay. Connor, thanks so much father, for coming father. on. Connor, thanks for having me. Oh, so good to talk to you, son. Would I'm you... honored to be invited on Touching the Tism. Touching the Tism. Just just touching it. Little toe in the in the pond, right? In the, in he the has pool more of the, the Tism. 
He has more than a toe in the tism. A little more than a toe. <laughs> the, Achilles, the Achilles being dipped in the tism pool. That's me. <laughs> All right, babe. Would you take a moment, please, and introduce yourself and tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Sure. I am the son of the esteemed Dr. Bupert and his wife, Dr. S. Bupert. <laughs> I am a bodyguard, a powerlifter, a husband of a beautiful, loving wife, and a father of two beautiful little baby girls mm-hmm. who are adorable, as I'm sure the grandparents they would be. So yes, they are. Yeah, they're great. Um, let's see. Yeah, I'm just happy to be here. Really happy for the projects that both mom and dad have started, both chasing ghosts for my dad and then touching the tism with mom. And I'm happy to be here. Well, thanks, babe. All right. Mm-hmm. So let's get started with some questions. So when did you realize that your dad was different than other dads. When did I realize when my dad was different from other dads? Well, I think growing up, you just get used to who your parents are. So I don't think there was ever a moment where I realized that dad was different from other dads, but I definitely knew that he was different based on you know, how the family dynamic worked and being in the military certainly added factors to that. You know, we were already different from a lot of other people. Um, Yeah, but I wouldn't say there was ever a moment where I realized he was different. So I I know that it's really important to make sure that this isn't a a bash your dad session. So I want you to go ahead and Mm -hmm. say what I know you want to say about this podcast. Yeah, everything negative that we say about dad it's in we i have a great relationship with my dad e- even you know uh, as hard as it was growing up with a neurodiverse father we have a great relationship now we yeah any anything negative that we say about growing up with dad has since been rectified forgiven moved on right Whatever. It's all we I think most everyone in the family has a great relationship with dad. I agree. I yeah. So none of none agree. of this is a is a bashing session or anything. It's just that's right. Yeah. yeah. We're just it's, a, it's an origin story. That's an origin, it's an origin story. story. Like like there Wolverine. You go. That's right. So um when you so if you didn't wake up one day and went, Man, my dad's really different. Uh mm-hmm. what kind of things did you notice about dad that made him different than other dads? He wasn't quite as emotive as other dads, and he didn't he wasn't particularly interested in interacting with us kids right um, yeah, he wasn't particularly interested in playing or uh or 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 things like that right whereas I think other dads may have been yeah that was yeah, that was really hard. Reserved. you know if yeah. I'd have known then what I know now, I would have done things a lot differently because I would have asked you kids to have given dad, you know, 15, 30 minutes to go do his routine and, and chill out and regroup, you know, because he'd spent all day masking and mimicking and he's always had a terrible problem with energy. And we Mm -hmm. realize now that that's mostly because he's out there faking it all the time, you know, trying to be quote unquote normal. And it's very, very draining. And then he comes home and he's got these four little kids, dad, 
you know, and you guys are yep. running all over and grabbing him and wanting his attention and loud and all mm -hmm. that. And he's like, oh, yeah, you know, get away from me. And that was yep. really hard for me. I did not understand that at all. And um, we talked about it a bunch, but because we were ignorant, you know, we didn't know any better. It was mm -hmm. I didn't know how to 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 deal with that. That was yeah. really hard. If I know knew now what I if I knew then what I know now, it would have been so much better because I could have helped Bill have the tools to enjoy you guys more. But at the time, mm -hmm. he was just like, I am so drained, you know, get away from me. And and I I that was really, really hard when you guys were yeah. little. And not to say that we didn't, you know, dad and I did it do stuff together. I mean, we we played sure. chess a lot together right, and talked right. a lot and you know, we did stuff, but it wasn't, you know, the same as other dads. Right. So did you ever feel rejected by your dad and uh, why or, or why not? I would not use the word rejected because I don't think I ever felt rejected by my dad, either in love or care. But dad just wasn't as available uh, emotionally as as, right. as the uh, as a neurotypical Right. dad would have been and he wasn't as interested in 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 children as right especially small children as other dads would have been yeah because but definitely they, not rejected because they they are not logical because they are not yeah children are not logic machines children's are creatures of chaos, chaos emotion <laughs> barbarity impulse right yeah and to to a neurotypical person that is that's like introducing them to a uh i don't know a spoon made of cactus. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like, get that away from me. Right. To a neurodiverse person. To a neurodiverse, I think yeah. you meant. Yeah. 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 So yeah. Yeah. Neurodiverse. A spoon of cactus. I think that image <laughs> is. Yeah. A, ca a cactus spoon, right? Yeah. Right. <laughs> so, did you know your dad um, loved you, even though he had a hard time expressing emotions? Yeah, I, I, I think I think I knew that growing up. I definitely know it now. And I think I know that looking back, but in the moment, it's hard because as a young person, you're not as emotionally mature. Right. Right. So, and again, small barbaric, barbaric creature of impulse and emotion where a lot of that, you know, doesn't, you, you don't understand it. You right. don't understand that dad's expressions of love are through him providing for us, which he did, him yes. protecting us, which he did. Right. Um, versus, you know, saying things and doing things that another a, a neurotypical dad might do to show his love. So just that's different. right. Yeah. So I, I just want to take a moment here to remind people that Bill was an <clears throat> army officer attached to special forces and was gone a lot. And I homeschooled four of the kids full time, 24 years. So that also gives my kids a bit of a different upbringing, shall we say. So I wanted to bring to everybody's attention that some of the things that we discuss Connor feels or relates um, might be because his dad is autistic. He's neurodiverse, but it also might be because he was homeschooled or because his dad was gone a lot or because we were a military family. So, and it's mm -hmm. hard to tease out which is which and what had the, an impact or what didn't have an impact. So I, you know, it's all entangled. We all have our own story uh our own expressions uh i was telling connor earlier that you can have 10 people witness a 
accident and you will get 10 different versions of what happened at that accident. And it's the same with kids. When they tell you that children are all different, you go, yeah, yeah. But by golly, when you have them, it it's true. Children are so very different and they react to things very different. And all my children had a very different experience and a different relationship with their dad. So some of this that we're talking about might be because Bill is neurodiverse and some of it Mm -hmm. might not have anything to do with it at all. Well, you have our family with three variables applied, a father who is, who is different from other fathers, who is neurodiverse, military, uh, not only military, but special forces, right? Right. Officer, right. And then homeschooled. So you have these right. three major variables, which make us different from other families. So yeah, it's hard to tease those out. Individually. Yeah. Sort of like the trifecta of challenges. But yeah, we overcame. Yeah, we overcame all of it. Yeah. That's right. So uh, could you tell the audience a little bit about what your childhood was like? I mean, what was it like growing growing up? With a neurodivergent just, dad. Just period. What was it like growing up? Uh, you know, what was your life like? Well, we moved around a lot. Dad was gone a lot working, um, doing all the sneaky, squirrely stuff that he's not allowed to talk about, which, of course, my brothers and I, yeah, or he'd have to kill us, you know, which, of course, our brothers and my brother and friends and I looked up to him like a superhero for that. But right. Um, yeah, we grew up grow, traveling the world, never stayed in one place more than a year and a half which made, you know, relationships with people difficult. We, after he retired, after dad retired, we lived the Tom Sawyer life. We stayed in places a little bit longer. Right. Just running around being a rapscallion, you know, getting into trouble, stressing mom out. You were a great rapscallion, though. Yeah, you, you uh, yeah. tried to kill yourself, I think, on almost a daily basis. Well, what was your job as a mother of sons? That's right. Keep them alive. Yeah, Just keep, keep them alive. alive. That's it. Yeah. One slight corrective, and that's uh yes, I did serve with special forces in both the reserves and, and active duty, but originally I was with the hundred first airborne division in combat arms, and then I was branch assessed to military intelligence. So I was support to SF and I went on to support other organizations like that until I retired. Just to make that clear that I, I was an SF herbivore, not a carnivore. Yeah, yeah. For the audience's sake, he's being humble. He was, in the words of the army, he was allowed to go after dark, out after dark. That's yeah. that's right. He's just that's being right. humble. If you ever see like John Wick or Taken or anything like that, that's Dad. Yeah, he'd be like, "Oh, I'm gonna go I, to the office," and then yeah. you know, go halfway around the world for some thing. Yeah. Hold on, I'm busy right now. I have a special yeah, set yeah. of skills. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, right. Like, yeah, I, I was an accountant in the army, and it's like, yeah, sure. <laughs> well, no, no. He was the accountant Ben Affleck right, in the movie. Right, indeed. That's yeah, right. yeah, that's that's yeah. what he did. Oh, I yeah. will find you. Stay <laughs> alive, right? Yeah, that's Last of the Mohicans. Man. I know yeah. that's Daddy for sure. That's a good movie. Mm-hmm. So, um, once you became a teenager, <clears throat> mm-hmm. were you ever embarrassed by your dad's sometimes odd behavior? Did you even recognize that he had odd behaviors? Hmm. Again, I would never say embarrassed because we still had a really strong family culture. Right. You know, like I I would never be, I don't think I was ever embarrassed about dad, but it was hard because there's things as a developing young man that you need from your dad. And unfortunately, which again, it's great now, but then 
dad wasn't able to he dad wasn't able to give those developmental uh those developmental things and you know i i I have something that i think will be helpful for young men who listen to this a lot of times um and our society is terrible about this now for a multitude of reasons but uh, men need rites of passages into manhood right because men need to go from boy to man and a lot of times how that's done is that the father or the male figure in that person's in that man's life will you know he will put him through a ritual and he will say you know he will push him through into manhood right and i didn't really get that um again i'm not trying to bash on dad or anything but he wasn't available for that or didn't understand it right so for a long time i was very listless and never really felt that i been given the opportunity to transition into manhood. And that was really hard Mm. for a long time. So for the men who are listening to this, who have fathers who are autistic and who haven't gotten this, you know, it's, it's, it is a struggle that you have to face, but you can get through it. That's Connor's right. And, and, and I really regret not doing those kind of things. Some of the things we did though, like tactical Tuesdays, that was fun. And for um, sure. Teaching you tracking and yep, yep. that kind of thing well, and and shooting yeah. shooting was a big part mm-hmm. of our family, so it was. But you're yeah. right. And, you know, I was not the neurotypical father who yeah. would formally do those things that I should have. Yeah, and look, we're speaking in extremes, right? Right. Of course, we did some things like Dad said, tactical shooting. Tuesdays, and you know, shooting and things like that. But you know, for for the sake of brevity, we have to speak in very um, abstract terms. That's right. So, yeah. so um, at what, what point in your life, without naming any names, did you find other examples of father figures and, <clears throat> and how did that help you? And did it help you to understand your father any better or at least maybe see why he behaved that way? Or what impact did those father figures have upon you? So I had two father figures growing up in addition to my own biological father. Um, they will know who they are when they listen to this podcast, but they definitely helped propel me into the man I am today because I was able to draw from them things that dad wasn't able to give me. Right. right? Understandable. Exactly. Right. So lots of great things from my dad. Again, lots of great things from my dad, stoicism, strength, masculine strength, being the rock for the family, being the provider, great lessons from my dad. From these other two men, connecting with your wife, being right. emotionally available for your wife, right? Um, spiritualism, um, work ethic, things like that. Not that dad didn't put a good work ethic in me, but more of an applied right. know, principle of work that work ethic from them. Yeah. And as far as understanding dad, I don't think it helped me understand dad any anymore. I mean, it's not. Okay. Yeah, I, I'd say I, 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 un, I, I, it was the same. Understood as much as I could, and that did, those mentors didn't really help me in that respect. But gotcha, just made me more rounded, you know. And it's, it's very common. This isn't unique to me. It's very common for young men to have a multitude yes. of male role models. At least they should, right? They have should do male role models in their life. So, yeah, just pulling from these three great men in my life to make me. The uh, the man that I am today, the lovely young man you are, and I, I well, think we this well. is a really good time to point out that if you do have a neurodiverse 
um, <clears throat> father, you know, or spouse, that having examples uh, in your life, I always say you're the sum of the five people you hang out with the most, and you want to have around your children good moral examples of humans. You basically want to make sure that you are surrounding your family with people who are a positive attribute to your family because you never know how those relationships are going to affect your children when they're older. We all have different experiences. Mm -hmm. We all, all experience things differently. And you just don't know what impact those people might have on your children once they become adults. So it's a great thing to have these other role models in your life, especially if you have an autistic partner, because they can give examples of what it's like to be neurotypical. Not that there's anything wrong with being neurodiverse, but in in our world today, we need as many good examples as we possibly can have. So they're more, as Connor would say, well-rounded. So when we did get the formal diagnosis that your dad was autistic, did you believe it? Did it change anything? Or did you just did go, meh, yeah, that's yeah. it, yeah, whatever. I, I think I think it was more of the guidepost on the path, right? We're walking down this path and we don't really know what it is, but we reached a guidepost that said, hey, it just so happens that your dad is, as the Predator movie put it, one step further in human evolution. That's right. 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 The next, Which, you step. know, the next step. Right. So for me, it was more just walking that path and then seeing the signpost and saying, oh, okay, that, that makes sense. And then just moving on. Right. So, so yeah. it wasn't really and, a big and, impact. No, because by that time, dad and I had a solid relationship, I think. Oh yeah. yeah. At least, okay. you know, yeah, yeah. I mean, it was solid enough. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. One thing I want to say is that all three of my boys, I wouldn't necessarily call them hypermasculine, even though I don't see that as a detractor. They're very masculine boys. And mm -hmm. if I set out to do anything with you guys, among the other things that makes you well-rounded and smart and provisioners mm -hmm. and protectors for your families, I mm -hmm. wanted you guys to be masculine and you were there. Yes. yes I think we all achieved that. If I do say so myself. <laughs> <laughs> so moving on here, uh, did you feel like the difficulties um, uh, you had with your dad or, you know, the basically growing up with a neurodiverse dad, did you mm -hmm. feel like that <clears throat> harmed you in your adult relationships with your male friends? Like, did you know how to re relate properly? Because dad was your example and dad doesn't have a lot of friends. He has a, a very small handful and he's not, I don't know, he's not super connected to human beings. I mean, he's very connected mm -hmm. to me and he's very connected to his family, but you had little example of what it was like to have adult male relationships. So how did that impact your life? Yeah, that 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 was something that, I still struggle with. It's something that, that has a big impact. Um, and I don't think that necessarily adheres strictly to being autistic. I think part of it is, int is introversion as well, but yeah. on that, you know, autism certainly makes that, um, makes that a larger issue, but yeah. So I did have an issue connecting with my male peers because 
as a young man, you need to, well, as a young man or young woman, you need to observe your parents interacting with other right. people. And I never witnessed dad having any kind of close emotional connection with any man. Right. And that definitely has carried over and it's taken a lot to learn that dynamic. Um, I definitely inherited a lot of that solitude. Excuse right. Me, that solitude from my dad. And I'm, I'm happy not being exposed to too many humans too often. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, still it's, it's important to be able to interact effectively and especially as a teenager, especially as like a hormone filled, angry, frustrated teenager. It's really hard, especially as a homeschooled military right. brat with right. an autistic father to learn to interact with your fellow human organisms. <laughs> Carbon-based. Carbon-based organisms, yes. So as you've gotten older and you're an adult now, you're approaching your 30th birthday. I can My hardly God. believe I it believe myself. It. I know. What ways do you feel like your relationship with your neurodiverse father has improved? In what ways has your relationship improved? Oh, man, like exponentially. I think dad and I call each other all the time. And we, yep. you know, I we can talk about neurodivergency as much as we want, right? But I'm still the product of my father. We We still have a joint interest in naval history. You know, dad and I could sit down and probably talk all day about very obscure topics within naval history, military history, politics, philosophy, music, philosophy, stoicism, yep, religion, stoicism, yeah. reading, all of it. You know, I, I inherited a love from books from my dad. Yep. Uh, still, I wouldn't say that we have a uh, like I, I'm a very physical person. I do. I enjoy physical activities and I don't think dad and I will ever really connect on that, which we don't have to. You know, right. we connect on other things like we enjoy playing yeah. chess together. And uh, when, when you get older and, and you actually mature into a, you go from that boy to teenage boy to man, you could connect easier intellectually with your parents yes. and your father. So, yes. yeah, our relationship has gotten right, Dad. I mean, I, really, I feel like our relationship's great. We talk uh, probably every other day. Yeah, I yeah. really enjoy yeah. chatting with at you. Least, and, at least three to four times a week. Yeah, yeah, you'll ring me up. I'll ring you up. We'll, we'll talk yeah. for as long as we can at the time. I mean, for mm -hmm. me, it's almost limitless the amount of time I can spend chatting with you because you're a very mm -hmm. interesting and uh, deeply intelligent being, and I really oh. connect with that. I come from good stock. So. <laughs> yes, you do. I think this is a good time to point out to other young couples that – if there is any way possible that your children can relate to your partner's special interest, that is a great way to help your children connect with their parent. Mm -hmm. uh, as the children got older and they learned more about history and more about dad's special interests, they were mm -hmm. able to talk to him on a level and he was able to talk to them on a level that brought them together. Like chess, for example, remember the very first time that you beat your dad? Oh my God. Chess. Okay. But hang on. I got, we have to give some context here. So whenever my dad plays chess, he always lets you win the first time. Because he wants to know your your strategy, and then you never win again. So for probably a solid, mom, what was it like? Twelve, fourteen years. Oh yes, a long time. He, he would never time, let you win. Only that ever. first time. That's it. Yeah, not not you know like ah, uh, give the give the kids some confidence. Never you know, happened. Nope, 
Nope. Never happened. <laughs> You're six years old. He'd keep, yeah. take you to the curb. And so my brother-in-law started, who's a really good chess guy, started training me in chess. And I was like digging into books and I was learning. And then I find I played dad again and I finally beat him. And it, it was like, it was a celebration. <laughs> it was a cultural moment for the whole family. It we were was. all running, like just running around the house. Can you just feel rub- it? Can you feel it? No, just rubbing <laughs> his nose in this vish. And I, I beat his, I kicked his ass. You did. It was he great. Did. It was he a did. great victory. It was yeah. a wonderful victory for and me. And the great part about it was <laughs> yeah. you, you really won. <laughs> he did. Because you know yeah. he well, he was never going to let you win. No. Ever. No, dad's super competitive. So, yes. Oh but I, I, I wanted to add that intellectual part that one of the benefits of having an a autistic father who's, you know, functioning and um, who's, you know, very intellectual, which a lot of autistic people are, it, it propels um, the children to learn and it to does. grow, to connect with the father. So, yes. you know, my Keegan and I probably had, I, I, I don't know how to define it, but we definitely knew a lot more about ways to hurt people and military <laughs> tactics and military history than any other kids our age. Right. Ever you guys had known, your so. own uh, mock-ups of AT force. Yes. Okay, okay. We did. Yeah. yeah. Let's yeah. We don't need to get too deep don't into, go that into that on the pot on this podcast, but That's yeah, right. it, it, my point is that it propels your children to, you know, learn and raises and, the know, bar, raises, raises the, bar. the bar. Yeah. Yeah. We, we learned a lot of very special skills very particular right? skills growing up that we wouldn't have been <laughs> motivated to learn otherwise. And you learned a lot about history and just being able to mm-hmm. talk to your dad, because one thing about Bill that we've worked on for many years is that he has no idea how to lower his vocabulary. And that's yeah. part of the problem. You know, when he's speaking with little kids in seven syllable words and stuff like that, mm-hmm. if they even exist, little kids are looking at him like, what you know so it definitely raises you up because you have to to even understand what he's saying you know some kid asks like you know what's the sun made out of while he's chewing on a dirt rock and dad gives him the molecular breakdown of the disposition the disposition of a gas giant and all he gives him the history (laughs) of the universe and the kid ends up keeling over from exhaustion yeah trying to listen to it Oh, God. And it's like, you know, when you ask him what time it is, he'll tell you how to build a watch, right? So I want to say I have a real keen intellectual relationship with middle son Connor because he is so keen intellectually, period. Younger son, uh, Keegan, he and I have a great relationship in that respect. And the the other thing that I have with with my oldest son, Kyle, and my youngest son, Keegan, is Mm -hmm. that while they don't quite share the intellectual breadth and depth that you and I are interested in not saying they're not mm-hmm. smart because all my boys are I think that's exactly smart. what you're saying. That is not So what I'm I am the, so I am the smartest <laughs> child. <laughs> but but shooting's a big deal for yeah. older son, younger son and you, but you and I yeah, yeah. didn't get the chance but remember Keegan would attend the apple seeds with me when I was an instructor and he was yep. there every month when I was doing it. So yep. that's yep. another connection. Would, yeah, yeah, and I mean I enjoy shooting but you and 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 my brothers definitely have a keener interest, and you yes, and I have do. our own interests. So, we do, yeah, we do, definitely, definitely. So I got a couple. Could you more could you go you back said. to the part where I'm the intellectually superior son? Could you say that again? <laughs> yeah. Okay, moving on. You are very gifted. Do you? <laughs> so, so Connor, do you consider yourself neurodiverse? Yeah. So I I, I was thinking about this a lot because I don't. I'm not comfortable entering that sphere 
because I don't want to make a claim about myself that I can't back up. But what I'm going to say is that I have inherited personality traits from my father, who is, as we know, the the manifestation of Spock. That's right. Um, Spock had a human the, mother, just so you know. That's true. He <laughs> <laughs> had a human mother. If Spock was James Bond, that would be death. Um, so I've inherited personality traits from him that maybe align me with some autistic tendencies. Like I don't like noises. I'm very folk. I don't like repetitive noises. I'm very focused on, I don't like certain types of shirts. I'm very focused on certain topics and I have zero interest in things outside of that breath. So I may not be autistic, but I've inherited certain personality traits from my father. I'm not quite as, I'm not as far down the autistic evolutionary tree as my father is. I merely have one little toe dipping into the pool of autism. Right. Am I, yeah. am I doing lap swims? Which is, it seems yeah, like... Yeah. Uh... Dad, Dad's the fairy of the lake in the pool of autism. <laughs> it seems like uh, the um, tism has been diluted through genetics because Grandpa, Bill's yeah. dad, was profoundly non-functioning uh, mm -hmm. autistic and a lovely man, the mm -hmm. sweetest guy ever, would literally give you the shirt off his back, literally in public, right? Would hand you the shirt, yeah. even though you didn't want it. Yeah. yeah. But he also had a lot of other issues that made him, shall we say, very interesting. I could tell grandpa's stories all day long. Yeah, he had some, yeah, he had some mentally health, mental health issues. But mm -hmm. when I met Bill's dad for the first time, speaking of the topic earlier, um, Bill had no idea that his dad was unusual or different uh, because that's all he'd ever known. And I think maybe that sort of is what happened with you. You didn't know yeah. that daddy was diff that different because that's yeah. your father and that's what you knew. Where... And, and growing up around, around special forces men who are naturally right. very quiet and reserved. Stoic. Yeah, so, exactly. Yeah. All right. Anyway. Yeah, so... I, I, I want to add that yeah. if you're, if you're asking me what I am in the manifestation of yes. you, yes, like blade, I have all of your strengths. None, None of, your weaknesses. of your weaknesses. <laughs> None of your weaknesses. So it's that's good. that's my autistic inher inheritance. Okay. I told you they were my two favorite goons, right? Wait, Blade I'm wasn't being serious. Good. Yeah, I'm being serious here. All right, all right, all right. So I've got a couple more questions for you. How did your relationship with your dad affect your relationship with your wife? And how did you work through it? Okay. So this is this is a really good question because this is going to be a big, this is going to be a, an important part of, of 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 someone's life who's who's had a similar experience to mine. Your, I, I had a big issue with connecting emotionally and opening up and being emotionally vulnerable, even though that word vulnerable is such a, you know, anyway, being emotionally vulnerable with my wife Savannah. Um. You know, growing up, you look at your dad, you want to be like your dad, and he is very stoic, and he's very stolid, and he's very, um, you know, not emotive. And then you marry your wife, and you assume, hey, this is how a man is, this is how I need to be. So it took a long time for us to really connect, um, and for me to be really feel comfortable. It, it took years for us to finally get to a point where the brick wall was beaten down. Um, so... It definitely can affect your relationship in that sense, even if you're not yourself um, autistic 
Gotcha. So, does that does that answer the question fully? Oh yeah, or? yeah. No, that that's really okay. really good stuff. So, um, yeah. how did you work through it? How'd you get past it? Well, I have an incredible wife. First you of do. all, as, yes, as you, you do. Both know, yeah, Savannah's the the uh, the radiance in my life, and I think I think as this is stands mom. as is mom. Um, I think this stands f- for all relationships. Not and and it's only amplified in a neurodiverse relationship is that men, you know, we we sometimes have trouble with that emotional maturity. But I think that when we get married and we have that woman in our life who's this constant, you know, caring companion. There, there's a quote that I read a long time ago, and I cannot remember who who said it, but uh, a man's soul is reflected in a woman's eyes. Oh, that's beautiful. So you come to know yourself more and grow with your wife. And I had the opportunity to get married young to a a young and vibrant wife. And she, you know, she helped me mature intellectually, emotionally as a man. Mm. And I, I, again, I think this applies to all relationships, but it's amplified in what this topic of this podcast, which is that, you know, neurodiverse relationship. May I also mention that she was your homeschool sweetheart, not your sweetheart at the time yeah. you were home educating, but yeah. nonetheless, you guys home educated together. Yes. Well, in our well, family yeah, we, co-ops with other families. Yes. Yeah. It was a, uh, a preordained marriage. Yes. Indeed. Yeah. I've known my daughter-in-law yeah. since she was eight years old. Yes. Yeah. Which is that's hilarious because cool. no one would have suspected that. Oh, no, we got she together. couldn't but that's, stand you. But anyway. No, she couldn't. But now she can't get enough of me. So, <laughs> just, uh, yeah. Well, there you go, son. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, I, I, I think, I think that's the big thing is that emotional connection, and gotcha. I, again, I think it happens to all men, but it's amplified, and we really we work through it. It took a long time, and we we work through it, and we're, you know, it, you're it, rock it solid. Out. We're I rock solid. That. I mean, we're kind of awesome. I don't want to brag or anything. Yeah, you maybe are. we can bring her on next or something. You can, oh, you that know. would be interesting. Yeah, she could, she can talk about it, but yeah. So in uh. Not quite, not quite done here, but pretty well summing it up here, Connor. Um, what advice would you offer to neurodiverse moms or dads that you think would benefit them? Do you have anything that you could offer young couples that are in neurodiverse relationships? Especially where maybe the father is um, neurodiverse. In relation to children? Or just in general, like, are there some thing, tips that you would throw out for them or things mm. that you could think of with dealing with little children or families, uh, you know, especially the father, if the father was neurodiverse, what would you suggest to the wife or any any words of wisdom at all? I mean, you got to have an understanding and meet each other. A hundred percent. Right. It's not a matter of, it's not give and take or anything like that. If there's going to be different challenges in any relationship and you've had your own with dad and you've had, you both have had to give a lot and receive a lot. I think, you know, the, the, the foundations of a good relationship are trust and communication. If you have those things, you can get through anything. And I think that applies to the, to the autistic as well, because you have to communicate and trust that your partner loves you and you have to communicate and trust that 
they both have your best intention in mind, even though dad may not be able to express that as, as you would like it, or you may not be behaving towards dad in a way that dad would like it. You got to work with each other and communicate about it and find the right, the right way. Um, As far as children are concerned, I don't know if this question was going to come up. Uh, Maybe we can talk about it in more detail, but you know, with kids, you have to, I mean, you just got to be a dad and a mom. I mean, we all do things for our children that we may not love doing, like playing Candyland for the 50th time, wanting to throw up that stupid purple card. Right. But we do it because we love our children, right? So if you're autistic and you're like, I can't stand Candyland, well, sorry, dad, but you got to play Candyland with your kid. Otherwise, that kid's not going to develop properly. Right. So, you know, you just got to kind of suck it up and and do it. And it'll be worth it. You know, you'll. Absolutely. Well, I I did want to talk about this very briefly. Connor has Mm -hmm. two lovely daughters who are my granddaughters Mm -hmm. and I'm crazy about them. And here I am. We're talking about the difficulties that I had with you guys when you were young. So Mm. when we came for Christmas, for instance, to spend real quality time with the granddaughters, I know Mm. that the question on most people's mind was, well, what will dad's reaction be to his granddaughters? You know, how's that going to be? But it turns out that I am a learning organism (laughs) and I am crazy about both my granddaughters, but my oldest granddaughter, Adelaide, she and I connected immediately and she's so wonderful. And I really bonded with her. And I think, I think I, I learned to, to be with her and share with her and play with her in a way that Mm -hmm. I probably did wasn't smart enough about when I had you guys. Yeah. Well, but you know, now you're able to, you know, to compensate or however you want to put it, you're able to sure. make an effort into that. But the full story is that dad was like, well, I don't know if I'll be able to connect with it. Maybe, you know, I maybe I'll take her shooting or, you know, logic, logic. And then he got here and he's wrapped around Adelaide's finger about two hours. Yeah. yeah yes, I am. Yeah. And Hey, the girls have their own rifle already. Don't they? Courtesy of their granddad. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> So, uh, Connor, feel free to jump in at any at any time, but I have just mm-hmm. a few more questions uh, for Bill, and uh, mm-hmm. then we're going to wrap this up. Okay. So, Bill, I got to ask you, why, when you were a young person, was it so hard for you to relate to your kids when they were little? Because when they're babies, especially, they they scream and they poop and they eat mm-hmm. and they sleep. And then they start the sequence they over again. And they no spread. connection. Yeah. No connection for me. And I, I was thinking, yeah. why is this thing leaking? Why is it yeah. doing the things that don't? I mean, I, I was bonded to my children, like Connor, of course. Of course and But not bonded in the, in the fashion that a normal neurotypical dad would be. Just, just difficult connection for me. Do you think part of that was the sensory overload because, you know, they're screaming. So there's the noise and then they're, mm-hmm. they're um, imposing on your personal time, on your routine, on my solitude, chaos, on my tranquility. Yeah. 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 They are damaging my calm. Yeah. The ritual. Yeah. Well, I want to add on to that if I yeah, can, please. Um, this applies again. Like I said earlier, this is something that applies to all relationships, but is amplified in a neurodiverse relationship. You have your wife, you're married, you have this adoring woman right. who takes care of you and feeds you, and then she starts inflating, and you're not entirely sure why, even though, I mean, you know why, but, you know, that's part 